Magic is power. I'm your legacy newbie with me this week. As always, Mr. Jeremy. What's going on, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Before we uh, introduce our guest, you know, we are brought to you by Hipsters every Friday. Um, and if you're looking for any awesome legacy content, Jerry writes there, Aaron writes there, Kate writes there, all <laughs> of our friends write for Hipsters. Did you ever publish your article on Hipsters? No, I'm still yet? I'm still uh, constructing it currently. Yeah, I you got that writer's one. block. Just yeah, hanging out at Starbucks with your laptop. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, no, that, that's it. It's definitely that and not my kids trampling me when I try to sit down and do something during the day. <laughs> no, you're just you're talking about the novel you're going to write one day. <laughs> or in the barista. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, so obviously you can check us out at hipsters.com. And also if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash legacy. Uh, even a dollar an episode helps us out a ton. We have some awesome rewards. Uh, the new stickers are in, which I posted. Um, we have play mats, uh, which we are going to reveal on Friday. Oh, oh I totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> They're sitting next to me. They are insane. They are insane. The play mats are insane. Um, uh, we should add that to the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I already posted the uh, posted the play mats on the Patreon page, so if you're one of our patrons, you can actually see the, the play mats already and see what you're getting in the mail. Um, well. Well, the people listening right now will be able to see it as well, Pat. This is so true. If you, if you were a patron, a patron, you got to see it. Or if you weren't paying attention, you missed out. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they are sick. Uh, we had the proxy guy make them up for us. They're they're really they're just in the and in the flesh. They're so much better than I expected to. So I'm I'm, I'm pumped for them. Did a good job. Did a good job, Jerry. Thanks. I try. I try real hard. <laughs> uh, and also, we have a uh, joining us this week a special guest. We have uh, Lincoln Baxter. What's going on, Lincoln? Hey, guys. How you doing? Not just Lincoln Baxter. Lincoln Baxter Third. Oh, of course. Right. I'm, That's I'm right. That's important. Don't forget I, it. I know. Us, us us threes have to stick together, Lincoln. You know. Jerry is you also know, a The Third. I am. I recognized that when I saw your profile name. <laughs> you can tell because, you know, you just put it... Oh, yeah, the I put 3RD in basically every form of <laughs> username I've ever created one way or another. <laughs> I'd say it takes one to know one, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, Mr. Facebook Profile, the triple I... Actually, I wanted to point out, because I noticed on, like, the pairings for Vegas... I thought someone had just fucked up my DCI pairings because if you're a third, whenever you get your pairings posted, it goes capital I, lowercase I, lowercase I for the third. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just someone like who mistyped it. And then I saw your pairings and I saw they did the exact same thing for you. And now I just realized it's a fault in the wizard's subpar system. <laughs> yeah, which is no comment. But for someone who's OCD, at least a little bit, it's infuriating. <laughs> I know. I thought I was the only one. I was so glad to find a fellow brother in arms. You're not alone. <laughs> uh, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Lincoln, we invited you on today to talk about a bunch of things. Uh, I got a full wagon today. Uh, full I guess wagon. just a. A full wagon. That's, I'm that's making a, up idioms as I go. That's not an idiom. I was going to say. <laughs> it's a new idiom. It's a Jeremy <laughs> idiom. 
<laughs> we got a full wagon today. It's <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. Uh, anyways, Lincoln, <laughs> you recently came in 16th, or uh, it was 16th on Breakers, correct? 16th on Breakers. That's yeah. right. At uh, GP Vegas, but not just 16th place. I believe you were probably the highest placing. I would have to say homebrew. Looking at your list, so. Highest placing homebrew and those breakers you just mentioned were actually second only to first place. So <laughs> I broke the breakers. Oh, man, that's awesome. So I guess just running down your list, uh, starting off, you kind of have a very typical bug shell. So you got four Deathrite well, Shaman. Hold on, Jerry, hold on. You're putting uh, the cart before the horse here. We got a whole, oh, we got a whole wagon that's not full an of idiom. stuff. That's not an idiom. <laughs> Uh, we have to get to the back of the wagon first, Pat. We need to make our way We're going like, to get to the bug control list. Jerry's very excited to talk about this list because it is everything he wants in a deck, pretty much. It is. It is. <laughs> um, but you also developed the top, top deck app, which we're going to get a chance to talk about today. You're also uh, right. a, a legacy aficionado. So first, before we get into anything, tell us a little about yourself, kind of where you're from, how you got into Magic, and how you found Legacy. Sure. Um, well, I'm a big nerd. It's probably uh, obvious because I'm on your guys' show, so <laughs> get that out of the way. Um, I started mad, uh, playing Magic around 1996, around in the Tempest block, uh, when Wasteland was a bad card, and I am a computer software engineer uh, slash entrepreneur who really loves to, I don't know, kind of push the envelope and, and see where ideas can go and... Uh, that's kind of the whole thing behind Top Deck, and we'll talk about that. But other than that, um, I like to swim, take long walks on the beach. That's it, just long <laughs> long walks on the beach but, and swimming, but not together. They, they have to be separated. Uh, correct. You would never want to take a long walk on the beach and then swim. Because uh, you're tired. Yeah, you might right. get cr- cramps. Cramps. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, oh, I guess I totally ignore the show notes, so Jerry I guess we're talking totally about Top Deck notes. first. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the app, because before we get into it, um, I actually had a, a friend of mine at the GP come up to me. This was on day two, and this is how I found out about the app for what it's worth. Um, he came up to me on day two before day two started, and we're you know waiting for you know, everyone to get settled for you know like the original pairings, and he's like, hey, you got to check out this app. It's his pairings app, and he's like, the uh, the guy who made it told me about it, blah, blah, blah. So I downloaded it on my phone, and I was like, oh, this, this app is great. It's called Top Deck. I get my pairings right to my phone. I get push notifications. I can get email notifications. Like, it's awesome. And instead of having to continuously refresh a page and wait for that page to go down like it did in Columbus, um, I can just get my pairings delivered right to my phone. So, uh, And then I found out you were coming on the cast, and you developed the app. I'm like, oh, that's, that's quite... Uh, that's kind of like kismet. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the Top Tech app. Well, it's pretty sweet to hear that you found out about it from someone else because it's kind of getting to that point where now whenever I go to an event, people will constantly be like, hey, are you the guy that did Top Tech? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's me, uh, which is really cool because it shows that you know it's catching on, and it's all word of mouth. Like I, I've done zero marketing for this, so it's literally just people talking to people like you, spreading the word, um, and... I'm happy about that because it fundamentally shows that I think what I'm doing has value. And before I tell you what the app does, I want to tell you why I started building the app. Um, and it really comes down to the fact that, you know, I love legacy. That's why I made sure we made a point of that. Um, it's really the form, the only format that I can consistently enjoy whenever I want 
and just never get bored. But I was really disheartened, like I think a lot of the community was, when we saw some scaling back of legacy events, like premier events for legacy. And I also live in the southeast, which is not exactly the you know hottest area for legacy. I think the three of us can probably agree that where you guys live up near Boston is pretty much where you want to be mm-hmm. if you want to play legacy. Um, so there was this issue where like you know the events weren't as forthcoming and the even the local events started to peter out a little bit because some of the uh, feeder events for the the tour premiere events had gone away as well. Um, you know, GPTs are going away now, so there's kind of this void where it's hard to find a good legacy event. And on top of that, when there is one, it's often scheduled on top of something like a PPTQ or an RPTQ because you know the store. There's so many stores, but they never really talk to each other, and you that that deletes the players that turn out an event. So you get a poor turnout, and then the TOs become more afraid to run events, and it's just this cycle of despair where <laughs> yeah, players, wow. players don't have fun and <laughs> tournament organizers don't make money, and you know it, 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 that's the situation. So I, I created this app to try to solve that problem, uh, basically make it easier for players to find the events that they want to play at, uh, make it really easy to say, okay, I want to play a legacy event, I want to play it on a Saturday or Sunday, and I only want to play if it has um, you know, buys for uh, a big event or something like that. Hopefully that's not the only reason you want to play, but that's just an example. And on the store side, make it easier for them to see where the events are. So provide them features where they can say, all right, I want to schedule an event. These are all the events. The app says these are all the events you know, in your area within this radius, and you know, this looks like the best day where you should schedule, and it won't conflict with anything. Um, oh, so I was thinking of it as a way for like players to search out events, but actually the way you put it, it made me realize it's also useful for tournament organizers where they can visualize kind of the magic scene in a much easier, more interactive way. Because we need to solve both those problems if we're going to yeah. you know, really make the local scene what I think we all want it to be, which is, you know, on any given night or, you know, at least a couple times a week or every week, you can say, all right, I want to go play this. Where is it? And, you know, be reasonably sure when you show up that it's going to have enough people to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I built the app. Uh, fundamentally, because I really I, I think that local magic has kind of taken a hit. You know, the premier events and the internet have kind of made it harder for the stores, the little shops, to pull the crowds that they had been pulling for a number of reasons. So, but I think that's a solvable problem. Nice. And so, I mean, this sounds like a massive undertaking because it sounds like, you know, you're trying to get all the shops in a region in your local area. You know, ideally, I would think you would want to go, you know, across the country, you know, even across the world if it got to that level. Yep. But it just seems like a monumental undertaking just to get all these people to sign on to it. Have you kind of run into any roadblocks with that or, you know, what's kind of some of the challenges that you're facing? It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it feels like a monumental task, but uh, I haven't really hit any big roadblocks other than, you know, some shops are slow to adopt technology. And they're, in reality, the shops are just busy, right? Like they're doing it either yeah. as their sole job or they're doing it after their day job. And they just don't have a lot of time to be, you know, doing one other thing when they're planning an event. So, um, really, 
I've been focusing on making the app useful so that it's not just one more thing. It's actually saving time. It's actually, you know, making it easier for the shops to do what they need to do and or, not costing them something. Yeah, or even better, just advertising. Half a shop's problem is letting players know that they're having tournaments. You know, right. you wouldn't believe the number of times I show up at a shop and like, oh, there's a really cool event that I want to go to, and it is uh, like three days from now. And if I hadn't have come in here at this exact time, I would have had no idea about that event. Exactly. And that's uh, another big problem that I hope to solve, because right now, what do you, what's the first thing you do when you want to find, uh, you know, a competitive legacy event in the next three months? I text Josh Sissio and I say, <laughs> <laughs> what is the next competitive event? <laughs> Personally, right. I, I have to go like on Facebook and see if there's any events that have been posted. Um, there's like there's like group Facebook pages where they have like a New England Magic group, a New England Legacy group, but it's very messy and nothing ever is exactly where it should be. Mm-hmm. Right. And we tried keeping a calendar on the uh, Leaving a Legacy Facebook page for a while where I would just update it as things came, and just life gets in the way. It is hard. Like, there are a couple like community event calendars out, out there, but they're never really that in date, and they're always full of holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I've found. You know, I've talked to a lot of players, uh, you know, through developing what features the app was going to have, and the resounding theme that I heard was every time I want to play an event, I check Facebook, I check 12 websites, and then I text my friends. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, that's why I text Josh Sissio first, because he does all of that on a constant <laughs> basis. It's kind of right. like my own personal Kibler Google. <laughs> so if we're spending all this time on Facebook and websites and texting our friends to figure out what's going on, it seems like there should be an easier way to do that, and that's part of what the app is doing on the player side. You know, the store's have an easier time scheduling the players, have an easier time finding, um, which is why the event search pulls in data from a lot of different sources to try to get a really comprehensive list, and we're still working on it, but um, so far I think it is fairly comprehensive and it's you know, updated every, every day. So uh, ideally I want the app to be the place people go to see what's going on around them. Hmm. Now... My computer programming knowledge is about as advanced as the movie Hackers or, you know, Swordfish. So forgive me if I if I get something wrong here. But so is the app uh, scraping website data for anything that it can come across? Or are you mostly relying on self-input data? Uh, well, it eats cookies. Ah. You have to give Cookie Monster the cookies. To I was wondering what those were for and I, why everyone kept asking me about them. I am so <laughs> bad at computers. I don't know if you're joking or not, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a hacker's reference. Okay. okay good. Good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is actually uh, pulling data off of a number of websites. It's scraping some of them. It uh, you know has connectivity to the Facebook API, so I, I try to pull things out of that as well. Um, and it's obviously easier to use Facebook API because they just want you to have the information. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's it's a kind of a it's a tricky thing to make sure you get the right stuff in there, but, uh, you know, we're always working on it. You don't want Uncle Jimbo's backyard card sling showing up on there. <laughs> right. And, you know, we have some local stores here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the game store is part of a bookstore. So they'll have, like, book signing events and, you know, other non-magic things that you have to make sure don't don't show up in the results. <laughs> I thought I was coming to draft, but now I just got this book signed. <laughs> 
so I wearing masks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I I thought uh, that's really interesting that it's uh, you know pulling in a lot of this data automatically. Um, but I think also ideally you'd kind of want stores to go in there and you know self input right. the information themselves. And I kind of feel like you have a chicken and the egg type situation where stores will only do that if they have an audience. And players will only be that audience if the app's actually useful to them. So that's it's like, right. how, how do you get them to input it? So that's what I really liked about the app is how I first found out about the app was actually for a completely different reason, where I was actually looking for a deck builder app. And I just really like all the other features that you've built into the app so far. Yeah, and getting to that, the you know, you're exactly right. Players aren't going to use the thing unless it's actually useful. So... The deck builder, I want it to be <coughs> easier than writing it out on paper. Because if it's not, why would you ever use it? Mm-hmm. If it's just going to frustrate you every time you try. Um, you know, part of the events that I'm working on that should provide value to both players and stores is electronic registration and deck list submission. So players already have all the event, all, all of their decks in the app because it's easy and you know, you can do sample hands, and we're getting the, you know, the, the mana analysis graphs in there now, and, uh, you know, it's all there. So when you want to sign up for an event, you just look for what's around you. You say, oh, look, I want to play at that, uh, you know, $50 Winamox, uh, you know, two hours away. I'll drive. And you click it, you put in your deck list, and you pay all through the app. Oh, you can do pay through. That's That's awesome. Yep, so that's part of the benefit of the stores is they get that exposure when they list their events. The players see that they can actually sign up and there's, uh, you know, the, the, some of the events that are accepting registrations get bumped a little higher in the results so that people can know that there's something that's actually, like a store's trying to make this event happen. It's, it's a good chance it's going to be a good event. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, it would be even cool, I don't know what features you're planning in the future, but being able to see, you know, how many people have already pre-registered for this event, get an idea of, you know, how big the tournament's already going to be. Yep, that is uh, that is actually there. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you also have, like, a card search feature in there as well. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the, that's another one of those things that uh, makes the app worthwhile for a player to use. Um, the card search pulls up uh, basically... By default, you just start typing, and it searches on the name, but there's also an advanced search, so you can say, like, I want to find... You just type legend, blue, minus green, um, and that'll give you all the blue legends that aren't green, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you pull up results either by name or with the advanced search, there's uh, pricing in there, so you can, you know, by default, it just shows you the average price of that card, and then you can click on it, and it expands to show you the price for all the separate printings. And then if you actually go into the card and pull it up, it'll show you all that same information plus all the card text plus all the rulings for that card. So there's a lot of information in there. Will it zoom in to just the art? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Feature for the future. I just sometimes just really like to see the art just super big. I hear that. Um, I've been trying to stay away from the, what I will call, frivolous features. Uh, <laughs> it is not frivolous. It depends on if I include it in my deck or not. <laughs> I sleeved up an inefficient mana base this weekend because depending on which art I liked better. 
That's how I built my Sorry, Jer- Jeremy, always going for max EV. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how I built my deck. I just picked all my favorite pictures. Yeah. <laughs> if it works for my five-year-old niece, I don't see why it can't work for me. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I that's how I first found out about the deck, because I forget who mentioned it to me, but I just threw it out in the Facebook group. Hey, I'm looking for a program that'll let me search for cards easily, add them into a deck, and then just be able to play some sample hands with the deck. And someone's like, check out Top Decks. And you hit all the all the nails right on the head. Like, it did everything I wanted and more. Um, so I really love just putting decks together, uh, you know, with the features and then just being able to play them out. Like, there are so many apps in this app store that will let you write out a list. But almost none of them will actually let you take sample hand sizes and, you know, be able to do mulligans and draw additional cards. And just being able to, you know, come up with a deck theory uh, put it together in less than five minutes, and then just get uh, sample hands to find out if your mana base is screwed or if the you know your consistency is just not there. It's been really valuable, especially when I've been uh, you know writing all these deck brew articles. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and you reminded me actually that once you get your deck in there and you've fished around and decided that that's the list you want to go with, even if you're not submitting electronically, you can actually just print it to a deck sheet from oh, the app. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> you never have to write it out by hand, and it you know it sorts it for you by CMC, so the judges are happy. And um, <laughs> you're gonna have judges actually... sending you like crates of champagne at Christmas. It's like... <laughs> no more reading Jerry's chicken scratch. <laughs> I prefer dry champagne. Just for oh, the right. Okay. Get him a nice brute. <laughs> um, but you know that's that's one of the things it'll do for you. It'll fill out the sheet, and it also checks your deck against the band list and all of the rules for deck building. So if something is wrong with your deck, I don't want to say it's a guarantee because I can't quite make that guarantee. Something could always go wrong. But um, if you use the app, we want you to be reasonably sure that you've done it right. Your deck is legal. Will the app tell you if your list is shit? (laughs) It's like, you don't want to do this, man. You're just lighting $30 on fire. If you you fill in your name and it's Jerry and me, it tells you your deck is shit. <laughs> uh, can I get that special feature? That would be a great little Easter egg. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, awesome. So, you know, it sounds like you're kind of trying to be, like, uh, almost a magic social network all wrapped up in one. Like, I definitely see people, uh, you know, kind of coming around and... You know, is there any plans on maybe um, like inputting like a chat feature where you can like message other users of the app? Yeah, we're getting there. Um, the first thing we're doing is uh, comments on deck lists, which might sound like a pretty trivial thing. No, but... Aaron's jumping for joy because he can realize he can just message all of my deck lists and just call them <laughs> shit. <laughs> right. But the comments that you type on the website under the deck list will show up in the app, will show up in everyone else's app who looks at that list. So that's the first thing we're doing to try to bring some of those social features in, in addition to just being able to, like, you know, push the share button and shoot that list to someone. Um, the messaging part of it I've been avoiding spending our time on just for now because, you know, there already are social networks out there, so we don't want to, like, redo things that already exist. Like, we're not going to make a Facebook that's better than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you're not going to 
reinvent the wheel. See, Pat, that's another idiom. I'm gonna write write that down. <laughs> okay. Write that down. Doing that right Man, now. Man, you guys are driving that driving that cart really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full cart. It's a full cart that we need to get from the front it's to a, the it's end. A, it's a classic comedy move called a callback. It's very important in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. So, any anything else you kind of wanted to break down about the app? Uh, I mean, there's some other things we're working on that aren't uh, aren't public yet. We haven't released it anyway. Uh, that I, you know, I can mention. But if you download it today in either of the app stores, you're not going to see this yet. Um, and that's around. You know, a lot of people have been asking for collection management. They want to keep their want list, their have list. Um, you know, a watch list for cards that they just want to like, you know, open up the app and that's the thing that shows up and it just shows you the prices for those cards right off the bat. So, because I know I, I personally go to a couple sites or at least you know one site, you know, almost every day just to like you know see how the cards I'm kind of interested in speculating on or or just following the prices because I have a couple and I like to see what my uh, money does so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it'd be really nice just to be able to to push push the app, open it up, and, and have that show up right in front without having to do four searches or, or 12 searches or something like that on a website. Um, so collection management is coming uh, in the next few weeks, actually. I'm all for apps that make magic look more like the stock market because I get to peruse them at work. So I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I, we don't want to get too far into the whole stock markety thing because, again, that's something that a lot of sites are already doing. We don't really need to step on their toes, but there are just some little convenience things that uh, players, I think, oh, yeah. would appreciate that we yeah. can provide. Like just having a watch list, like just a handy watch list that you can just reference easily in your pocket. It's like, oh, these are the cards I care about. This is the prices they're at. Good to know. Right. Exactly. Uh, so that's one thing. The uh, another thing we're working on, I can allude to. I I won't be, uh, you know, I won't spill all the beans just yet. Um, a lot of sites along the the finance route uh, already have ways to search the major vendors, but we're working on something that will let you, let me figure out how to say this, Uh, we're working on something along those lines that will hopefully bring players back into local shops. Um, And it has to do with cards and finding them. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Is the Ark of the Covenant somewhere in there? Because that's the the tone I'm getting from that. (laughs) Two Two of every animal... Two of every card. <laughs> the animals do know how to play magic. Good. Sounds like a great cruise. <laughs> awesome. All right, Pat. Can I talk about the bug list now? <laughs> yeah. If uh, if if we are are good with top deck, uh, we can move on to the bug list. Sure, Jerry. Yeah, I get to talk about it now. All right. Sure, do it. <laughs> oh. Also, our listeners should know that I promised Pat that uh, for his birthday, he's going to be allowed to talk about the New England Patriots for five whole minutes on that episode. <laughs> It'll be in a few weeks. <laughs> yep. So I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, but it's his birthday. Come on. We'll put it at the end of the so cast that, and we can just tune out. Is that Pat's Pats? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pat's Pats. Patting. Pat take. <laughs> Paddington Bear. <laughs> Now Jerry's just doing word associations. This is really devolved. <laughs> Iceberg. <laughs> All right, Jerry, let's talk about the bug control list. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, first of all, looks like a pretty straightforward bug shell. We got four Deathrite Shaman, two Baleful Strix, three Snapcaster Mage, one Leovold. So, uh, no true names? True name is just kind of like, you know, 
Who cares when you can make a 2020? <laughs> ah, dropping that bomb right off the bat. All right. Uh, as someone who's been playing Did Bug... Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I've been playing Bug uh, bug Depths for the last few weeks now with uh, our friend Tom Hep, who's Negator77 on on, uh, on Moto. And uh, it is a lot of fun to make a 20, so, so I can confirm that fact for sure. <laughs> Moving along, Planeswalker Suite, pretty standard. Two Liliana of the Veil, two Jace the Mind Sculptor, arguably the two best Planeswalkers ever printed. So nice to have those in the back pockets. Uh, four Brainstorm, big surprise, it's a blue deck. And uh, Head Scratcher, three crop rotation. <laughs> wonder what those are for. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe I need another island. True, maybe you need another island. So... Sh- Deep, sharp left uh, with this deck list. Uh, you know, rest of the deck going through. We got only one ponder. Just needed that little bit more of a, you know, search. Uh-huh. Fix some of the consistency issues. Yeah. So uh, looks like you got uh, Stifle. Only running three Stifle. Yeah. So um, I don't know of many bug control lists that run this card. I don't know if you want me to talk about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go for it. But as, you know... Uh, as we take a look at the rest of the list, I think that the, the reason this card is important will become clearer, but essentially it is a control deck that functions on a tempo axis where you are trying to keep your opponent off of their strategy long enough and you know well enough so that you can kind of punch a hole for the uh, saucy surprise of, of our lovely Merit Lage. And... Stifle functions not only to keep your opponent behind on their game so that you can gain advantage on the battlefield, like by, you know, having a land advantage or a permanent advantage or whatever. Um, it, it functions late in the game to protect the Thespian Stage Dark Depths combo because most of the things that can stop that combo are activated abilities or triggered abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Wasteland, like Flicker Wisp, like... Um, uh, planeswalker abilities that to to bounce and and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, Liliana minus Jace minus. Exactly, it's just never a dead card, no matter what stage of the game you're in. Yeah, and worst comes to worst, you can always push it to uh, your force of will. And That's I the see, here. <laughs> yeah, I see you're the one. We talked about this on the last episode. You are the one running three force of wills, madman. <laughs> force not of even wills not. Bad. Uh, I, I agree, you know, there are definitely times when three Force of Will main is appropriate. Uh, you know, I'm no stranger to that. But come on, man, I at least put it in my sideboard. <laughs> Dear God, have some respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you look at Force of Will and you're like, great, it's a free counterspell, but it's not free. You have to lose a card. And the deck is already running some, like, negative uh, value with the crop rotation, so there's only so much you want to give. And... Um, I felt confident cutting that force because when you look at the rest of the sideboard and you look at what the deck's doing, you know, it runs three stifles. I'm not too worried about Storm. Uh, it runs Snapcaster, so even if they duress it out of my hand, I'm not too worried about it. Um, so what does that leave? That leaves the sort of, like, graveyard degenerate combo. That leaves Sneak and Show, which is actually one of the toughest matchups, uh, Sneak and Show. Good to hear. Uh, which, Good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I know you appreciate that one. Um uh, but the sideboard is kind of where you fill that gap with other things that are better than force, like um, the invasive surgery, the fluster storm, the thought seizes. Those are all better value and uh, a little more proactive cards than force of will is. And I like being proactive, even though this is a control deck. All right. All right. 
I'll accept that. <laughs> no, don't accept that. You stand by your values. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I still think you're a madman who has no respect for the uh, those who stood before. <laughs> but I understand your reasons. <laughs> uh, up next, got Legacy All-Star, three copies of Abrupt Decay, two main deck Life from the Loam. Who do you think you are, Lance? <laughs> Uh, I'm lands and so much more. Those land. cards uh, really power the deck. Like Life in the Loam is simultaneously the card advantage engine when you combine it with Brainstorm, and it's also the impending doom when you combine it with Wasteland. I love oh, that yeah. card. Oh yeah, like that's what I love. Uh, lands never really gets to experience this because uh, they don't play blue. But having Jace the Mind Sculptor live with a Life from the Loam is just disgusting. <laughs> oh yeah, you're just casting Ancestral Vision. Yeah. Um, and I also really like, you know, the Life from the Loam Wasteland lock is a lot of times uh, enough to win a, uh, a lot of these, like, three-color uh, matchups. If you can get them under a Wasteland Life from the Loam lock, it lights out. Yep, that's you get free wins from Wasteland, and you also get free wins from the combo, but we haven't quite gotten there yet, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> We're teasing it. <laughs> the, the crop rotation was a nod to that, for sure. Um, little removal, you got a single Toxic Deluge, uh, and one Maelstrom Pulse. So I so is it you know, three Abrupt Decay, one Maelstrom Pulse, just kind of a hedge against running into something a little bit bigger? Yeah, it's a hedge against the big stuff. Um, it's also, you know, a value hedge. Sometimes your opponent just plays two of a card and you can get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way to answer Jace, which Abrupt Decay does not. And Jace can be a big problem if your opponent manages to run you out of stuff to do, which is tough with this deck, I'll admit. But, you know, it happens. Um, and I w- have been trying it because Miracles is gone. Um, it's... I, I almost still kind of just want the fourth abrupt decay. I'm not really sure about the pulse right now. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Toxic Deluge, I assume, you know, um, the deck being a control deck, you sometimes just need to reset the board. Yep. Um, Deluge is an MVP for that. You know, even if you're behind on life, you can turn your life into, uh, you know, just massive card advantage to sweep the opponent's board. This deck doesn't really care about losing its creatures, and we haven't gotten to the card that'll really highlight that, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's this deck likes to blow up the battlefield a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I noticed you're also running one of my favorite old school cards, a one of Pernicious Deed. Yep, uh, the one of in the main and one of in the sideboard. Really, for any fair deck, and especially for any deck that runs like equipment or ether vial, um, it's just a huge blowout, and it's. It's, uh, it even plays against the combo decks because you can, you know, hit all the goblin tokens. You can clear up zombies from dredge. You can, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Nice. And I guess uh, hands, it's a huge blowout because you take out their explorations and their mox diamonds, and it's just, it's gross. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, now, also, you have a one of intuition. I want to come back to that once we finish the list because I'm really interested yep. to hear from you. Uh, you know what your intuition piles are. Um, for our listeners, you don't know, Intuition's a really interesting card. It's two and a blue. Search your library for three cards, and then your opponent chooses one card to put into your hand. Yep. So Intuition's one of those older cards that are, you know, really a skill test in Magic, almost like Factor Fiction or Cabal Therapy. Uh, in, intuition and the piles you can make with Intuition to make it so that your opponent does not have a good choice are always really interesting to me. 
Yep, and I'll do my uh, community service for the day and say that it is actually target opponent. Some <laughs> of the copies of intuition do not read that way, but uh, you have to target, so it's it can be relevant. <laughs> Good to know. Oh yeah, no, uh, I'm pretty sure I have played an intuition through a ley line of sanctity, not knowing that. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, so for the lands, all right, we're diving into it. Uh, as I'm sure our listeners have puzzled out, one Dark Depths and one Thespian Stage. Only one of each? Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, no, you know, no fear if it goes to the graveyard and answered. Yeah, so the, the thing with that is, like, the deck runs four Brainstorms. It runs a Ponder. Um, uh, we haven't gotten to it yet, but it runs another Filter card. It runs Intuition. There are a lot of ways to get them, um, and you don't, like a typical lands deck, just have to turn your, your library over into your graveyard. Um, you know, you're not just loaming every turn, risking putting all your stuff in the bin. So the risks of having a singleton copy are reduced because you're not so set on that game plan, and the consistency is still there because the deck plays blue, so you get to filter through a whole lot more cards there's actually, just by having those five cards in the main deck, something like a 72% chance of having the combo in the first three turns of the game. Um, and that's without casting a Brainstorm. Like, it's it's pretty good. Uh, and I never really need more copies for what the deck wants to do. Good to know. All right. Um, so for, you know, four Wasteland, that's pretty standard. For Mana Producers, got a nice mix. Two Underground Sea, two Tropical Island, one Bayou. Uh, running some basics, one Swamp, one Island, and one Forest. Uh, looks like uh, six Fetchlands, three six Deltas, fetches. three Deltas, three Misties. So, you know, definitely a lot of strain on your mana base. Uh, so uh, do you ever find kind of, uh, you know, are you ever finding yourself being mana screwed? How, how frequent does that come up? It happens. Um, I shouldn't even say mana screwed, more like color screwed, I should say. Yeah, it definitely happens. Um, Not as much as people have said the deck does. I mean, if you look at it, it actually has 24 lands, so that's a lot more than most decks run. Um, You know, your typical mid-range deck runs 20, your tempo decks run 18, your aggro decks run 16. so 24 is pushing Miracles territory where you're you're really trying to play a land every turn, and you do have to be very, very careful about how you get your mana and when and what you choose. But um, And that's one of the, the, like, the really difficult, the, probably the most difficult thing about playing the deck is figuring out exactly which land you want, not only for what you want to cast in your, in your hand, but also what you want to leave in the graveyard, uh, leave in the, in the library so that you can go get something if you need it later. Um, because it often, you know, you might get wastelanded, and if you know your opponent's about to play a wasteland, like, you need to play this spell in your hand, but if you fetch the other land, you won't be able to fetch, you know, maybe there's one in the graveyard already, and you won't be able to get the colors you need later for the spell you're waiting for. So it's, it's there's a lot of complexity in figuring out the mana base and what you need to get. Um, and Deathrite helps with that. Deathrite Shaman is awesome. Um, but the deck used to run Mox Diamond, and I really do miss it because it just made mana easy. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts about Aggro Loam, which was like, oh, it's a rainbow land, whatever I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's pretty sweet. So getting into it, you have a lot of spicy one-ofs. So 
kind of, let's start more familiar and go backwards. One Caracas, uh, which is interesting. No, no white. You're just purely running it for that bounce of legend clause. Yep, mostly for my opponent, sometimes for myself. Really? You're bouncing Merit Lige? Oh, yeah. I guess Leovold, Leovold, I see. Yep. That makes I've more actually, sense. I've actually uh, run into the situation where I bounced my own Leovold to pitch him to Force of Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great line of play. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, you know, I'm sure you will eventually, if not already, just blow out some sneak and show or reanimator player who were wondering why a bug deck is running Caracas. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it, the reason it's there, really, like you said, is just because, especially with crop rotation, it is like the the matchups that that shores up add so many percentage points to 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 winning that you almost just have to put it there. Yeah. I can tell you, I would be very shocked if my opponent goes Underground Sea, Deathrite Shaman, and then turn two goes Crop Rotation Caracas <laughs> in yep. response to, uh, you know, a uh, show and tell. Uh, so, also, part, so, oops, sorry, go ahead. Part of that surprise is going to be lost now that people are seeing the deck, but, <laughs> you know, I was already going to tournaments and having people being like, are you still playing that weird bug deck? And I'm like, uh, how do you know that? <laughs> Uh, also going for the silver bullets, you got the one of Bojuka Bog just to really shore up the uh, graveyard based matchups. Yep, and that card is just a blowout, especially game one, because a lot of people run in the sideboard game one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it produces black, so I don't mind playing it tapped on turn one. It's not a, it's you know, you don't always have to play something on turn one to, you know, make sure you get your, your lane drops. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, just the value is great because even you know, not even just against Dredge or uh, uh, Reanimator, you can also get uh, Pass and Flame Storm. Uh, yep. You know, I've seen them shrink uh, Tarmogoyfs down to one twos. Nimble Mongoose. Yeah, Nimble Term- Mongoose. Turn off, off Night Angler. Yeah, exactly. So lots of value even in the non-combo matchups. Yep. Uh, or just shutting down opponents' death right shamans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Snapcaster, it's not bad to blow out a Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Crop rotation in response to Snapcaster Mage. Yep. Yes, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Lurin plays Eternal Witness. You know, you can get him on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the one of Bajugabog is in in coupling with crop rotation is is super useful. It's a nice little item to have in your toolbox. Yep. And it is a toolbox deck, and it just you know it wins because it has the it has the answer. You just have to find it and make sure that you prepare the game to give you time to find the answer. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, next favorite of uh, Lone Pox players everywhere, Cabal Pit. Uh, tap it to add black to your mana pool. deals one damage to you. But it has threshold, one black, sack it. Uh, tap and sack it, I should say. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. The Delver Killer. <laughs> yep. Delver, Deathrite, Thalia, Phyrexian Revoker, you name it. Uh, yeah. This this card is just a it's a one card toolbox. Oh yeah, so many of cre- you know I was uh, not to not to put the course in front of the cart. Is that it, Pat? Is that it? <laughs> what was that, Jerry? <laughs> Horses and carts. I don't know. Oh yeah. Anyways, like <laughs> what I was gonna say is I was talking to some people about uh, an uh, Hours of Devastation card, and I pointed out it's like even though it deals three damage. Sudden Shock's just better, because two damage is usually all you need in Legacy. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, and the fact that it's a colorless diamond is often very relevant. True, so it gets around things like Mother of Ruins. Mm-hmm. So, Cabal Pit, also you can buy it back with Life from the Loam, just uh, a great recurring toolbox card. Kills Mirren Crusader. Oh yeah, Mirren Crusader, that, that is relevant against Death and Taxes. Uh, and now, this is the card I was kind of most uh, surprised at, scratching my head a little bit. Uh, usually we only see this out of Dredge. <laughs> Good old Cephalid Colosseum, ad, which yeah. is, I believe, part of the uh, Cabal Pit cycle. It is. It is from uh, Odyssey, I believe. Yep, Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Tap, add blue, deals one damage to you, and if you have Threshold, you can pay blue and tap it to draw target player, draws three cards, then discards three cards. Right. Now, go ahead. I was just going to say, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so this card's kind of a long story. Uh, I was actually driving back from Columbia, South Carolina to Charlotte, which is about an hour and a half drive. I had just finished you know, spending the weekend with my girlfriend and playing a Magic tournament. And uh, I'm sitting in the car in a group chat phone call. I was not texting in my car. <laughs> Um, that NSA? He was not texting? I was not texting. Um, <laughs> but I verbally asked my friends, because I, I had, you know, I had just... Don't worry, we, this... we have the leaving a legacy lawyers on retainer. Don't worry, <laughs> speak freely. <laughs> um, so I had just finished this tournament, and I did actually have some issues with mana. Um, I had just added the stifles back into my deck, uh, after trying a couple other things like main deck collective brutality, um, uh, I don't remember exactly what else, but I found myself really, really wanting to be able to play uh, a turn one blue spell. Uh, and I had a, a ponder was another card that I just put in because I cut the library, um, the Sylvan library. Um, and so the question I asked because I already had my basic island, I didn't really want to add another dual land because they're all black border and I don't want to spend that much money right now um, so I asked my friends I was like alright guys question of the day what is a blue utility land that comes into play untapped that you know does something I don't, I don't care what it does just start listing things and you know they were listing things like lonely sandbar which I had in the deck but it comes into play tapped and um, you know a couple other things like uh, uh, the like the land. West, does that come into play tapped uh, yes, Teleri West, that comes in play tapped, and the, the transmute is three and very, very slow. Yeah, um, yeah this is a tough one. Yeah, so Cephalid Coliseum came up, and at first I was kind of like, ah, but it deals you damage, and then I was thinking about it a little bit more, and I was like, wait a minute, draw three, discard three, threshold. Doesn't matter to late game, I don't really care about life that much, but late game is when you draw your lands, and you have loam, and you just like have these dead cards in your hand. So, all of a sudden, Cephalid Coliseum becomes an uncounterable brainstorm because yeah. you've you know, either just drawn a bunch of bad cards that you want to get rid of or you've loamed them back into your hand and it just turns garbage into gold. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that being, you know, uh, just you can activate Cephalid Coliseum in response and or not in response and dredge loam with the Cephalid Coliseum activation. Uh so uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going off on tangents here, seeing how this would work. But yeah, I see it. I see how it uh, how that can definitely add some uh, credence to the deck. Yeah, so it, you know it protects loam, um, and the interaction that I haven't actually gotten to try yet that I really love to is uh, 
target player draws three cards and discards three cards. So <laughs> if you have a Leovold on the battlefield, yeah, uh, you just straight up mind twist your opponent. Ooh, yeah. I've, I've been playing Grixis Thieves with uh, Leovold and Notion Thief and Dak Faden, and I can tell you it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, getting back to seriousness a little bit, the it really... Um, it ends up being a little bit of a card value engine on its own, or a card quality engine, and combining that with Loam is really abusive. You can do it every turn. It's, you know, you just really churn through the deck. Yeah. You will find that Merit Lage eventually. Um, how often would you say you win with Merit Lage? Probably 40-50%. 40-50%, rest of it's just grinding them out as a control deck? Concessions. <laughs> ah, the stasis player in me is proud. Well, you, you get the ultimate Liliana, you get the ultimate Jace. Those are pretty. Those are pretty backbreaking. Yeah, and you know the the wasteland loam lock is, uh, you know, some people just don't want to play it out, and I don't blame them because you know you, you, it's really hard to come back from that. So mm-hmm. I would say concessions is a good like twenty thirty percent of the games uh, that you win, and then the rest is is grinding out or or Jace or, or Liliana or something like that. The saltiest is when you have the Wasteland Loam Lock and a single Baleful Strix, and you're just getting in there for one every turn. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> my friends like to call me Zero Permanence because that's how I like my opponents to be. <laughs> uh, so can definitely pull out that lands, grind your opponent into dust uh, game plan as well. Yep. Um, so you mentioned sneak attack was uh, one of your rough matchups. Uh, what what are, what are you kind of looking to avoid in most tournaments? Um, you know, besides besides sneak and show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, is it just like your the sneak and show matchup? What am I looking to avoid? I would say probably every piece of their deck. Every well, more along the lines of, are there any like particular strategies you're looking to avoid? Is it like combo decks in general, or is it you know what about sneak and show just makes it so miserable? Right. Um, so the thing about Sneak and Show is they have a lot of counter spells. You know, four forces, three to four spell pierces. Um, they flusterstorm oh, or two. Flusterstorm, yeah, and they have a lot of cantrips, so they're going to find it. And, and my deck doesn't really put a clock on that quickly, so they have all the time in the world to just sort of like filter through and find exactly the hand they need with a bunch of counter spells to finally like punch through my defenses uh, and. It really becomes a problem when they get a sneak attack out because Caracas is offline then. Um, and if they're running the Omniscience package, there's really just no way to do it because they they get that in play and it's not a creature. You can't really deal with it. They just cast Force of Wolf for free and it's basically game over. Um, you, you basically have to hope that they have nothing in hand past the turn to you. <laughs> And then you just happen to have Maelstrom Pulse in hand at that very moment. <laughs> right. I'm going to play this show and tell with one card. <laughs> it happens, but... Maybe just have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I cast show and tell with two other cards in hand. Those two other cards are Omniscience Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is actually one of the reasons why the value strategy doesn't work as well against Sneak and Show as well, because even if you get Liliana online, it's a two-card combo. Mm-hmm. So it's just really tough. Um, in terms of other decks that are problematic for this deck, the number one worst matchup for this deck is Burn. Yeah, I can see that. 
just you don't have any real like you're looking you're removing creatures so unless they're like super creature heavy start you just don't have the counter magic to deal with all of their uh their burn spells right and even if they do have that super creature heavy start you know it's turn three before i can play a pernicious deed it's turn uh or you know turn two i guess with turn three before i can cast toxic deluge draining my own life um you know, not a lot of counter spells, so the price of progress is a real backbreaker. Um, and there's just not a, the, the the issue with the deck is that it wants to interact with you. Like, I want to create interaction in my matches, and if I can't do that, I'm not going to win. So, burn is just not a very interactive deck for me because I don't have a lot of hand disruption in the main deck. Even the hand disruption I have deals me damage, so. Um, Collective brutality is great, but it's just it's not a good. The, the, the chances are not good. Mm. So I'm guessing things like you know char belcher, oops all spells, just these like really quick non-interactive decks. Those are actually okay. Uh, okay. And stifle shows up a lot of that. Well, true. That is a good point. And you know it's often a force test, so 30% chance to have force in my opening hand is not the worst thing in the world, even though I play 61 cards. Yep, uh, Team 61, loud and proud. Never without. Um, it's, the, it's the spicy 61st. Yeah, so like Storm is, is less of an issue for that same reason, because of Stifle, um, <laughs> which is another reason to cut that last force. Uh, so, let's see, other decks. Sneak and Show, Burn. Um, Allurin is tough. Food Chain is tough. Uh, Food Chain's a little easier because Abrupt Decay is online, but there's really the issue with them is like they have just, the both of those decks have infinite flying blockers, so you kind of need to kill them quickly, but it's really hard to do that because they just stand in your way. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like just burn because of its inherent play, and then kind of the the medium range combo decks. So like sneak and show, allure and food chain. I kind of put those in kind of a slower turn three, turn four category compared to like turns one and two of Reanimator and Storm and, like, turn zero of uh, decks like like Char Belcher and Manalus Dredge. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of the, the go-big combo decks. Okay, nice. So, um, it doesn't look... I mean, you have a couple cards, but are you just kind of conceding to those matches and just hope you draw them? Or, kind of, or you know, do you really, you know, take them head-on with your sideboard? Well, with Burn, I would say that's probably the, the concession there. Collective Brutality is a small hedge, small nod towards Burn, uh, but it also plays so well against so many other decks like Delver, other combo decks, um, anything with Stoneblade or Deathrite. So I'm okay putting a little hedge in there, but really I'm not I'm not trying to beat Burn. I'm just trying to yeah. dodge it. If you run into Burn, you're losing to Burn. <laughs> yeah, and I do win games against Burn. It, I oh, know. yeah. More often than not, I, I have said to my opponent, like, you know, congratulations, I'm probably not going to win this, and then I blow them out or something just to help <laughs> every time. But... Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then you feel like a dick afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, it like, is it like the turn two Leovold that gets there sometimes? Yeah, <clears throat> sometimes Leovold just gets there because <laughs> their hand is, like, actually, just actually garbage against him, mm-hmm. or they can't attack through him, and they can't get rid of him. Um... So sneak and show. Uh, I actually tried in Grand Prix a couple new pieces for sneak and show. Uh, the extra thought sees, which was a Nissa Vital Force, while Miracles was a thing, and um, 
the invasive surgery is mostly for sneak and show. Thanks, Just man. Thanks. An extra hard counter spell. You need it. It is. It is. Uh, I've had my show and tells invasive surgery before, and it is not pretty. <laughs> I think because they also already had a pithing needle on sneak attack and play, and I'm like, yep, there goes my last hope. <laughs> hard cast was a brand. Here we go. <laughs> Which I did do this weekend, by the way. Nice. <laughs> I had four lotus petals, and I hard cast grizzle brand this weekend. Wow. <laughs> And my opponent forced it. No. <laughs> it was a last-ditch effort. At some point, you have to be like, well, we're just going to give it to you because that's that's achievement unlocked right there. I feel like that's a little bit like your double Lotus Petal Island show-and-tell grizzle brand and your opponent puts in a grizzle brand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Uh, and they're on reanimator and then they get sire of insanity and really blow you out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyways what were we saying before I rambled on Uh, bad matchups sideboarding yes against learn and food chain there's really not a whole lot to do other than just sort of like bring in all the sweepers and all the value and all the hand disruption because you need to kind of like get rid of their combo pieces, but they can also flood you out on the boards. So you just have to keep blowing things up and hope you can either run them run them dry or get through with the twenty twenty somehow. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if if you're, there's not much you're really doing for your bad matchups, is other sideboard cards just basically shoring up your your you know fifty fifty matchups, just trying to eke out a couple more percentage points. Yeah. So the. The things like Pernicious Deed and Toxic Deluge and, and Garrick, those are all for like Death and Taxes and um, your your Grixis Delver matchups that are kind of like 50-50 in the game in the first game and then games two and three just kind of turn into massive blowouts every other turn uh, where they just end up running out of counter spells and you just finally wipe their board and, and land a, land a problem for them. Um, yeah, so and. and you know, against Storm, which is kind of 50-50, you've got the hand disruption package. But all these cards are, are basically applicable for most decks. Like, I don't have any one-card blowouts. Like, there's no card in here that I just wouldn't ever bring in against the deck, depending on what I see, because being a toolbox deck, it's kind of good against most decks. And if you can tip the odds, you know, maybe 10% with a couple sideboard cards, that's often enough to bring the consistency up to the point where you're winning matches. Cool. What do you oh, got, Pat? No, no, I'm just... I'm looking at some of the... <laughs> just this deck. The Garrick Relentless is one of your favorites, Jerry, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, what's uh, what's Garrick for? Garrick is for anything grindy, um, like Bug Delver, Grixis Delver, um, Death and Taxes, Maverick, basically things where... It, it, things where I want to be kind of sweeping the battlefield and leaving my Planeswalkers alive so I can Deluge for five and still have Garrick uh, or Jace. Or I can play Pernicious Deed and blow it up for however many I feel like it, and I still have my Planeswalker. So it's it's a, another win condition that survives the board wipes, which is really important for coming from behind. Uh, and this deck is always coming back from behind. You, you very rarely start out ahead. Uh, hmm. So it, it, it started as another Nissa Vital Force, uh, versus miracles, uh, just like another type. Uh, I, I don't like running multiples of a card because I, I like the options, and he just provides options in a lot of games. Hmm. All right. 
Nice. So is this a list you've been you've been playing this for a while? You said right? You've been kind of tuning. Yeah, in. yeah. I started this about three years ago, wow. uh, and it was actually an Esper deck. Really? I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bas- it was like I said. I just picked all my favorite pictures. I, I, I brought <laughs> Stifle and Vindicate and Mox Diamond and Smallpox and Crucible of the Worlds and oh, I was just. And I have a, a nice set of Mizzou's factories signed by both Phil and Kaja, so I was like, oh, I want to play with these, and they were the win condition. Uh, <laughs> so my opponents hated me for, like, the first ten turns of the game before I lost. <laughs> oh, uh, man. That is... Anyway, it was too much fun, so I just couldn't give it up, but I needed to, like, make it actually consistent, so White had to go, and Life in the Loam and Intuition became the, like inevitability mm-hmm. of the deck and it got a lot better because it could just sort of cl- turn the quarter and close the game really quickly. So, uh, so, so what did you say? Uh, I think you echoed yourself and thought oh, okay. you were interrupting yourself. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> this podcastception here. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your run at GB Vegas? You had a pretty successful run to get into the top 16 there. Yeah, um, that was pretty incredible. Uh, it's the best I've ever done at a big event for sure by a lot and I was 8-1 and one going into day 2 mm-hmm. I had played uh, I'll attribute you know a lot of my success that weekend due to the fact that I played predominantly fair decks like I played a bunch of Bug Delver a bunch of uh, Stoneblade some Grixis Delver and then one copy of Turbo Depths and mm-hmm. one copy of Tess uh, and both of those are excellent excellent matchups uh you know, tests a little bit less, but Turbo Depths is a match I basically shouldn't ever lose because the deck has every answer mm-hmm. uh, for that combo. Um, and that was my, actually my my draw for the day. So I was a little was Turbo Depths. Yeah, it was Turbo oh, wow. Depths. Uh, but it, I I'm new to Deathrite, so I made a huge misplay, and my opponent did a great job. Uh, his name is Scott Lip. Um, he did a great job of like recognizing what my deck did. And playing the very, very slow game, not going for it, mm-hmm. and trying to run me out of things, uh, you know, run me out of answers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the game, I had I had won a very long game too, where you know he's just sitting there with his head in his hands, you know, going like, oh my god, how <laughs> how do I ever beat this thing? Because every time he went for it, I just you know had another mm-hmm. another way to blow him out. And in game two, he goes to surgical my wastelands, which is Really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot of answers to surgical because I I don't have a lot of counter spells, but I had a crop rotation and I'm not used <laughs> to playing death right. Mm-hmm. So I had an active death right. He's surgicaling my wasteland. Uh, and I go with my instinct, which is like, oh well, if I I crop rotate right now, I'll get one on the battlefield and I'll save one. Right. Um, needless to say, the crop rotation resolved and. I walked my wasteland right into his ghost quarter. Oh. <laughs> he ghost quartered it, and his surgical resolved, and they're all gone anyway. I thought so maybe was... you were gonna like bog your own graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that would have been great. <laughs> that would have actually worked. <laughs> uh, but all I had to do was tap the death right and exile my wasteland. Right, right. But yeah, I will never death forget. Death right that. is a difficult card to play with. That's why I don't play Grixis anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pat was sick of beating himself. Yeah, I was. I was like, oh, this death right does too many things. I don't like it. <laughs> one mana planeswalker. And it really is. It truly is. Um, so that was day one. Um, 
day two started off with a really, really tense match against Death and Taxes where it went into turns and I managed to punch the hole right at the end and, and get him for 20 on turn four. Nice. And, uh, you know, even more fair decks day two, I, I did play a Lurin. That was the un, one of the two unfair decks I played. Um, one of the three unfair decks I played, I guess. And then uh, I played against Zach Cook on Infect, mm-hmm. which was, you know, I love playing him. He's a great player. He's very good with the deck, but... Um, and that, that is about a 50-50 matchup, I would say, at least pre-board. But his deck did not did not run smoothly for him, so it wasn't wasn't uh, really magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got absolutely absolutely blown out by Rug Delver in the in my win and in for for top eight, Oof. round 15. It was miserable. Uh, <laughs> the deck I, I mulliganed to five in game one. Mm-hmm. And that is not a good place to be against Rug Delver. Yeah. Do they just like stifle Wasteland go out of the game? They, for the most part, but there was a turn where he overcommitted and I was able to fetch a couple lands. He had a, a, a goose, probably a goif and a true name out. Mm-hmm. He was the guy playing, uh, you know, uh, Pat Tierney, I think he was playing two true names. So he tapped out for the true name and I, I slammed the pernicious deed. Yeah. And so he gets me to five on the swing back, but then I blow his board. And we both stare at each other for six turns. <laughs> and, and I draw Dark Depths, and I'm sitting there with three lands, and I'm like, oh my god, please just give me a crop rotation, just give me something. <laughs> but it never came, so he oh. finished that out. And, and then, uh, and that's where I want to be against his deck, right? So like, if I had kept seven cards, it probably it might have worked out. Mm-hmm. But uh, game two went kind of similarly. I had a mulligan low, and then he just, uh, you know, finished me off. Yeah, it's a very low to the ground deck. They can definitely run over pretty quickly. Yeah, they'll punish you for keeping a bad hand. Yes, for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, we can uh, move on to Eternal Weekend if uh, if everyone's all set with the list. Let's do it. Okay. Anyone will be all set with the list. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I have a feeling you're going to sleeve this thing up, man. <laughs> I do. I think I am going to sleeve this up. I'm actually thinking. I think the only thing I'm missing to play it on Magic Online is the Leovold. So, I'm how 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 essential is Leovold? He's not. Um... He's he's like good insurance against late game for like Storm and some of the Delver decks, but I I really debated running him in the main. Even um, I, I don't like creatures. And <laughs> Excellent. Just, I don't I don't have to pay thirty dollars for a digital token, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, so if you want, we can talk about some things to replace him with. It could be another intuition. It could be uh, a planeswalker of your choosing. The deck likes planeswalkers, but I would recommend a card that does something. <laughs> ah, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this this list does look sweet, and I, I definitely want to sleeve it up either in paper on or on Magic Online. Actually, before we move off it, the funniest thing that my friends said to me after getting 16th place in GP Las Vegas was, now that you've top 16 at a GP, everyone's going to try to sleeve up the deck and no one's going to know how to play it. <laughs> I'm just going to scream heart of the cards at the deck until it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, be a very awkward uh, stream, Jerry. <laughs> heart of the cards. Heart of the cards. You can bring me on for that, and I'll just say that in the background. <laughs> You'll be like my like wise grandfather teacher in the background. I like it. <laughs> Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. All oh, right, well, we, code word. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, moving on to the uh, to the next big legacy event, Eternal Weekend. Is that something that you'll be uh, going to, Lincoln? I will be. Awesome. Uh, the, the local crew down here in Charlotte has actually been starting to plan our travel. We're going to try to get one of the shops to the mega van to mega van us up to <laughs> Pittsburgh. So we will definitely be making it there. All right. We'll hope to see you there. Yeah, Jerry. I think Jerry and I are going out, right, Jerry? Yeah. How long have we been driving? I mean, we're flying, Pat. No way we're flying. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> flying. <laughs> For 200 long- bucks, it's definitely worth my time to fly. Yeah. It's like works out to $11 an hour that yeah. we saved. So yes, yes. I'm okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, how long of a drive is it for you, Lincoln? It's nine hours. Uh, but nine hours in a van full of your friends is nine hours well spent. Yeah. See, that I sounds like a car with Jerry for six hours. Yeah, that, that sounds like a detriment to me. <laughs> uh, true. There is nothing like a good old road trip. Yeah, uh, you guys going to hotel it, Airbnb, any plans? I think we're going to do an Airbnb if we can, um, especially with a lot of us. It'll be nice to get just a couple places. Yeah. You know, we can cook. Mm-hmm. Shocker, some people Blue Play Magic actually cook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and tell you what, though, we are really excited about those play maps. I know. I wanted to bring that up. Um, but yeah, I think it, fe- it feels like uh, Airbnb is kind of the way the legacy community likes to roll, just because we do tend to be more, you know, mature, some of us, not Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just having that space to, like, cook also, just, I didn't get to go to Vegas, so. <laughs> Jerry's very salty about that still. <laughs> we're, we're going hard in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good time. I uh, I got to convince my wife that it's, a, that it's a good idea for me to go. Um, no, I I told Nick this. So Nick just re- recently became a father. So shout out to Nick, but he's trying to make it. So I told him that uh, I would be his alibi, and he could tell his wife that I'm dying, and it's my <laughs> last wish that he comes to this event. So so what do I say when we're trying to go to the next Legacy GP like six months later? <laughs> Jerry, uh, his rare disease had uh, he went into remission, but it's back again. <laughs> Second bucket list request. So, <laughs> anyone needs me to be an alibi for their wife or you know a significant other, uh, I'm more than willing. I feel like I can only go to this well so many times, but it might be worth it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just created a new disease that only afflicts magic players for some really weird reason. Yeah, we can just pass the torch from person to person. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'll be t- I'll be talking to my wife and not telling her that story. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think I'll be able to get down there too. It should be good. Um, the flights are cheap. It's a short weekend. It's not like Vegas where we were had to be out there for four or five days. So um, and it's, yeah, it was, what are we doing in Pittsburgh? For four <laughs> right, and it's like and it's like in the same time zone, and it's very you know it's just a little bit easier of a overall in general in traveling. So. Um, that's definitely uh, on my list, my to-do list there. And the the playmat is pretty decent. They have the Lotus Petal playmat for the Legacy event. Yeah, these look sweet. And Soul Ring for Vintage, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And yep. the VIP Bazaar of Baghdad. So what is the VIP exactly? I'm sure it's extremely expensive. Uh, it's actually not that bad. It's $100. But that uh-huh. that that's that's not including registration. Oh, that's event. not including registration. Right. Never mind. Never mind. So you are paying. Uh, it's better than most deals I've seen. It's a hundred dollars for the uh, Bizarre of Baghdad playmat. 
you get a deck box and sleeves. That's pretty standard. Looks like you get a little like moleskin uh, life pad, which mm-hmm. is looks nicer than your average life pad. They have the water bottle. That's all standard. But you actually get a sweatshirt, like a, yeah. like a hoodie. So, I mean, as far as VIP packages go, that is on the better side. $100 is a bit much, but you do get a lot of value out of it. Yeah. Looks like you also get a uh, a clothed play area uh, during your matches. (laughs) (laughs) No nudists allowed. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you also get one of those drawstring backpacks. Um... Uh, you also get a playset of four unique VIP-only tokens. I wonder what they could be. Oh, my God. They're going to be trash fodder. <laughs> Honestly. Oh uh... I hate going to, like, Star City events and getting, like, the Jacob Baugh energy token. I don't need this thing. Like, it goes right in my trash can when I get home. Yeah. Oh, I actually just realized the, the closed-in play area, not the clothed play area, but... Uh, it looks like they did with the original Vegas, where VIP, you actually get to you sit at the same seat every time. Right, people come that, to you. Yeah, that's actually a huge deal. Uh, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, nice. That's right up there with not having to go to the pairing boards anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was an app for that. <laughs> it would be the Uber of magic, right, Pat? Yes, it would be. <laughs> that's so weird. Someone should do that. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Uh, but yeah, so this should be pretty awesome. It looks like the Legacy event starts on Friday, so... No, is that uh, right? Vintage is Friday. Oh, okay. Legacy is Saturday, and then top eight of both events are on Sunday. Oh, interesting. So there's so you could potentially play in the Vintage and Legacy events. Yeah, the way they had it, have it set up is that the events do not overlap at all, mm-hmm. and then that way you only have to stay Sunday if you make it. Oh, that's good. I really... I really like that because Vintage is a format that is just so hard to get people together for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, anyone who plays Vintage is probably also going to play Legacy. So it's really, really, uh, you know, huge shout, like huge props to them for recognizing that in their player base and, and giving people a, plan, a chance to actually play, you know, both formats that they love. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, if you're not playing Vintage on Friday, they're running a Legacy Champs trial on Friday. Okay. Uh, so $30 entry and minimum five Swiss rounds. So even that, just like, that's that's a decently sized regional tournament on its own. Yeah. So I'm excited for this. Uh, I think I'm going to try and go down for Friday so that, like, fly out Thursday. Oh, really? I mean... I'll set up base camp if you want, Pat. Scout out the land. <laughs> It'd be, it's going to be really hard for me to uh, convince my wife to let me do another four-day excursion. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, Pat, let's be honest. You're not top eighting. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry. Let's see how it is. Uh, how it is. <laughs> JK, JK Lowell's Raffle Copter. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I do really like this Lotus Battle play map, though. I don't know, like, I've never, I don't think I've ever just looked at just the art of Lotus Petal. I've always seen it in the context of the card. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the art, it really just is a, just really nice, like, non, you know, physical art representation, almost like an avant-garde style. Mm-hmm. I just think the the art just really looks good in a play map style for it. Yeah, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like the first place winner also uh, of the Legacy Championship also gets a large printing of Savannah by Mark Poole. 
Um, so I think it's they get an oversized frame card, uh, but oh. that Savannah art is gorgeous. I do kind of just want that Savannah art hanging in my living room. Yeah, I've never really looked at that card because it doesn't have blue in it, but <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Uh, and then the vintage one is Black Lotus by uh, Steve Belden, and that's also a great-looking piece of art. Nice. Uh, anything else, uh, Turtle Weekend? I think that's pretty much all we know about it so far. Yeah, I think that's that's all I've seen. Um, yeah, that's it. Nice. Did, did you want to talk about Vegas Top 64, Pat? What were you talking about with that? Oh, no, I just I have that link in there just as an evergreen link for the next few weeks if we have to talk about any any decks out of the Top 64. No, nah, we're never mentioning it again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> putting an embargo. Vegas okay. is over. Never happened. <laughs> uh, oh, there were a couple uh, Devastation cards previewed that were pretty interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah, those have been sweet. Like, really yeah. sweet. That, uh, uh, yep. that oh, sorry, artifact guy that, like, costs five, but every card you cycle makes him too cheaper, and he's a 4-4. Four, four. Or uh, every card you discard or cycle. Yeah, hollow one. So he costs five, 4-4, four, four, costs two less to cast for each card you've cycled or discarded this turn. And then he also has cycling two. Um, so I really like that card. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Adam who pointed out that uh, it costs one off of a single Faithless Looting. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, so just turn two, Faithless Looting, play a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, but like, what deck is playing Faithless Looting and want to cast a 4-4? Four, four? Uh, Zimbardment. Oh, God. It's a thing. It's a thing. Glad we're talking about Zombardment today, guys. Yeah. Hey, it's a deck. It's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know. Maybe there's a new. Maybe there's a new deck, Pat. Um, I could see it as a uh, like a nimble mongoose fill up your graveyard type deck, just it's, like hollow ones. I think like if no. you're doing, if you're on that strategy, you're just playing Gurmag Angler is better. No, it's just it's just full of cycling cards. You just cycle until you find that new white enchantment that makes merit lays when you play Dark Depths. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like the cycle lands. I mean, I I think it's interesting. I think it's a cool build around me. But I mean, if you're discarding cards to make this cost less, you know what also costs less? Gurmag Angler. Just curving like four fours into five fives. Oh, gross. Uh, yeah, that can overwhelm players pretty quickly. Um, people were talking about this in uh, Vintage because you can cast it for free off of a single Bazaar of Baghdad. Uh, yeah. That's, okay. Turn one, Bazaar of Baghdad, activate it, discard oh. a bunch of treasures, play it, and then it's also a cycler, so you can use it to activate dredge at uh, instant speed if you need to. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, talking to some Vintage dredge players, they don't know if it's quite good enough, but it's definitely interesting. Mm. Um, also, this was previewed for last week's episode, but we completely glossed over it. But was uh, uh, did you guys see a braid? Uh, is that the red one? Yeah, so it's the it looks like game day promo, like full art uh, promo. One in a red for an instant. Choose one. A braid deals three damage to target creature or destroy target artifact. Yeah, that card sucks. <laughs> I don't think it's good it's- enough. But a lot of people are really liking it as a sideboard option. No, it's not even a sideboard option. Yeah, what are you talking about? Instant speed, so you can Cunning Wish for it. Okay. It kills a Hate Bear, and it destroys an artifact such as a uh, Chalice of the Void, or a Trinisphere, or Ensnaring Bridge. Yeah, the Omni Show play... players are excited for this card. Uh... I can't believe I'm defending this card to you, because I was the one naysaying online. Stop making me play Devil's Advocate. <laughs> it's just like... 
Just play Smash to Smithereens. It's just better, a better uh, card. Damn it, Pat! <laughs> I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I feel so conflicted. I want to prove you wrong, but... <laughs> I mean, good luck. Good luck on that, but... I didn't, I didn't see anything in this set so far that's really, like, piqued my interest for Legacy. Um... But you know, there's still a lot of cards that have left to be spoiled. Oh, and Jerry, you I definitely like... you definitely uh, called the Scarab God for what it's worth because we remember we were talking about the Locust God and the Scorpion God, and you're like, oh, these are in the the Nickel Bolas colors. The only thing they're missing is the blue black God. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you definitely called that. That was nice. Wizard should hire me as a flavor designer. You should not do that, but you did a good job calling that card. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I think I also said it would reanimate stuff, which it does. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's blue-black. Like, what else is it going to do? I mean, I guess it's a no, technically. But... Don't mock my skills. I'm not, mo- I'm not mocking them. I'm saying, like, what else could it have been? You know? You want a cookie? <laughs> I mean, yes. I'm starving. Um, was there anything else that piqued your interest here, Jerry? Uh, two more black cards. Okay. Because uh, X1's already been put into a legacy deck from Ooh. our very own Sean Aldo. Uh, we got next in Liliana's uh, Demon... Uh, theme, Razaketh the Foul-Blooded. Okay. Uh, side note, I've been listening to the... Uh, fuck, now nah, I just forgot the name. The podcast that reads all the stories. Oh, um... Uh, Forgotten Realms? Or what order? Uh, Unspoken Realms. Unspoken Realms, yeah. yes. Uh, which has been awesome, and Razaketh's story, just flavor-wise, is really cool. Uh, but what he does is he's five black, 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 so he costs eight for an eight-eight, Notice, you know, Grizzlebrand was 7 for a 7-7. Seven, seven. Get it? Get it? Oh, yeah, sure. That's yep. uh, 8 for a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah, well, I mean, Grizzlebrand is supposed to be 7, but apparently that's too good. Razaketh, <laughs> 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 uh, Flying Trample, 8-8. Eight, eight. Pay 2 life, sacrifice another creature, search your library for a card, and put that card into your hands, then shuffle your library. So what is this? What's the What's the application here? So, uh, I believe, I don't want to give away Sean's secrets, but he's running it in if, a... If it's uh, in Zombardment, like, it's fine. You can just it's stop. not in Zombardment. <laughs> it's not in Zombardment. I got a message from Sean asking to borrow my show-and-tells and omnisciences and Grizzlebrand. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, I believe he's using it for, uh, you know, some variation of Storm show-and-tell shenanigans. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. I mean, the biggest thing is, if it didn't have... It would 100% be playable in Sneak Attack. Um, like, I could definitely see cutting some number of Grizzlebrands if it didn't what? have the Sacrifice Another Creature Clause. What? If it was just like... If it was like, pay five life, search your library for a card, would 100% run it. Because there are times with Sneak and Show and Omni Show when you don't want to draw seven cards, you want to draw one specific card, and then you just end up blanking on it, even drawing like 14. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's that's fair. But like, if yeah. that's the case, just run like a tutor effect in your in your deck, you know? It doesn't work that way, Pat. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it doesn't. None of this works, Thaddeus. <laughs> like that old lady from that commercial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I don't know. It's all right. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm not a brewer, so I'm just here to to naysay and and speak down and all about speak down to you about all your picks here. Uh, Lincoln, any any other cards that yeah you saw? Yeah, there was that. Um... That black and red uh, reanimate that also gives your dude haste if you pay the aftermath part. I think it was uh, was it rise fall. Ooh, uh, I, no. I saw oh, that. Uh, struggle. Oh no. Claim to mm-hmm. fame. 
Claim fame, yes, that's right. So claim to fame, it's a, it's another aftermath card. Oh um, yeah, the unearthed fairy. Yeah, the sorcery is black. Um, sorry, they're both sorceries. Uh, the first side is return target creature card with with CMC cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and the fame side is run, one and a red. It's the aftermath. Um, target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains haste until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so like. Think about this card. I mean, obviously, uh, I think in Modern, I don't think Modern really had a, a cheap reanimate spell like uh, Unearth. Oh, that's true. And uh, Modern is definitely a format that could benefit from that uh, a lot more than Legacy could. But even in Legacy, you know, you've got, let's say you don't need Unearth's alternates. Uh, I don't even know what, what Unearth's not even that much. But cycling, yeah. Um, and you don't need the extra CMC. Like, now you're, you're reanimating your Jaysprin's Prodigy and like giving it haste and getting a Planeswalker for three mana or like you know that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. just it's interesting. Uh, it turns on a couple things that Unearth doesn't uh, in that regard. I like for value uh, like unearthing a Snapcaster Mage for value is always fun. But now you can unearth a Snapcaster Mage and make it a four one haste. Put it back in the graveyard to do it all over again the next turn if you want. So right. I can see this. I mean, I always think Unearth is a criminally underplayed legacy card. I completely agree. It's great in Pauper. I just got four foils, just a fan. <laughs> nice. And they're useless. <laughs> well, not useless. <laughs> Cycling matters. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, Josh Hand, um, you know, Jeremy, a couple other people in the group pointed out that, you know, the reason why Unearth doesn't really see play is because Reanimate exists and just... The biggest thing with Unearth is it can only target your own graveyard, mm-hmm. whereas Reanimate can target yours and your opponents. So sometimes you can, you know, just get the Reanimator player or steal an opponent's Tarmogoyf that you removed. So, you know, Reanimate usually sees more play. Also, uh, uh, no, actually, never mind. Reanimate's not an instant. Never mind that point. But I, I always think Unearth uh, should see more play than it does. Yeah, Unearth yeah. is a good card. I mean, I've been thinking about running it in my deck uh, for a little while. I'm going to give it a shot now that you know I don't have any big tournaments to get ready for. I'm just going to start playing around a little bit, but uh, it's debatable, right? Because it's it's like it's not really a dead card, but spending two mana to cycle is still kind of time walking yourself. So it's it's just kind of awkward and hard to get the value out that I think everyone wants to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better uh, for the instant speed decks. You know, the decks really maxing out on Snapcaster Mages and holding mana up for Counterspell. Right. Because if you want to, you want to be cycling at the end of your opponent's turn. Right. So, you know, hold up Counterspell. Your opponent doesn't play anything. Cycle on Earth to see if you can get a threat. Yeah, and, and this isn't, like, a good card, but that... Demon zombie crocodile thing. Was oh just, yeah, that's what I was going to do. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, people think people are calling him the new Phyrexian Negator. Uh, Phyrexian Negator was also a two black five five with a downside. Um, Amet Eternal creature, zombie, crocodile, demon. Afflict three, which is whenever it becomes blocked, uh, defending player loses three life. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a minus one, minus one counter on Ahmet. Uh, whenever Ahmet deals combat damage to a player, remove all minus one, minus one counters from oh, it. I actually never saw the second clause in that. That's actually better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, you thought the minus one, minus ones were permanent? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I thought uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, add add a minus one, minus one counter to it. <laughs> so I didn't realize it was remove all counters from it. That's actually kind of sweet. 
Yeah. yeah, and this obviously has play with that uh, that same enchantment that says things can't get counters, right? Sure, so yeah. This, I mean, not for Legacy, but for Standard or something like that. That could be an interesting deck. Oh, someone's going to get that in draft, and it's going to be the filthiest draft deck. <laughs> they're both what? They're both three drops, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, and they also drafted Dark Depths, and their opponent's just like, what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's quite good enough for Legacy, just because... In all the formats, it's worse in Legacy and Vintage because we're the formats where people are likely to play multiple spells on a single turn. Right, right. So, and Gurmag Angler is just better. Yeah, Gurmag Angler is just better. Um, you play Gurmag on turn two, let's be honest. It's, yeah. This is turn three. It's real true. Um, but I think what someone pointed out is uh, it's a piece for the eventual mono-black uh, Stompy list. So, you know, there's pretty much a Stompy list in every color, except for really black. Black never really had the creature base to support it. And, uh, you know, Ahmed Eternal is just kind of a step in that direction, just giving it those nice, uh, beefy three drops. Very true. It's weird that it's not legendary. Oh, uh, is it not? No, it's not. It is not. It's weird when, like, a card is named and it references, like, a specific thing, and it's not a legendary card. I feel like there should be more legendary cards in in Magic in general. I don't think Amit is its name. I think Amit is a reference to, like, a uh, a group uh, or a place. Oh, okay. All right, that's fair. It does, it is confusing. Also, the fact that it's in Japanese doesn't help. <laughs> that's also true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but I like it, because uh, it, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite pet cards, uh, Dusk Urchins. Did you ever play with that card back in the day? Nope. Okay. No, I mean, I've never even heard of the card. <laughs> Not at all. It's from Lorwyn, and it's, uh, it's two and a black for a 4-3. Uh, whenever it attacks or blocks, uh, yeah, whenever it attacks or blocks, you put a minus one, minus one counter on it. Uh, but the fun thing about it is when it's put into a graveyard from play, you draw a card for each minus one, minus one counter on it. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. That is so, interesting. Yeah, so it also gets minus one, minus one counters. However, it draws you cards. Like, having, like, a 4-3 beater that turns into an Ancestral Recall is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is sweet. What does the Afflict 3, uh, what does that mean? Oh, that's sick. If it's blocked in combat, it deals that much damage to your opponent. Oh, that's that's awesome, actually. And I don't even think it's damage. I think it's loss of life. Yeah, yeah, they lose life. That's right. That's cool. So, I mean, it's getting in for damage no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, huh. even if you're swinging in with like a two-two and all they have is a death right shaman to block it with, they have to choose. All right, does this turn back into a five-five, or do I take three damage and lose my death right shaman? Right. Huh. Interesting. All After right. taking two combat damage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't take the damage if you block. If you don't block. Right. So I, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's like crazy good, but I definitely think it's a cool card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Was there anything else? I don't think so. Uh, still, we don't know what fraying sanity reminds me of, people. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank all the people who took the time out of their day and uh, posted suggestions on the Facebook group. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of the suggestions worked. None of them are the card I'm thinking of. Uh, so please keep trying. Keep posting cards. Keep wasting uh, your We'll time. get there eventually. Um, the way we've narrowed it down uh, is we believe it is from the Innistrad block, either original Innistrad or return to Innistrad. It is maybe a blue or black card and is probably an instant or sorcery. <laughs> and it has that exact same art as Frank Sanity, only instead of a mummy, it's a person with like their head being blown away. It's, it's not Psychic Strike. 
It's not Thoughtseize. Uh, there are some other examples. Peruse, peruse the post to make sure you're not double posting. <laughs> oh, God. If you we said from I think so. I'm pretty sure it has flashback, too. Jeez. Uh, if we could figure this out, people, it would really help me sleep at night better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. You know there's over 16,000 cards in Magic, right? <laughs> yeah, which one am I thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, uh, Lincoln, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um if someone wants to kind of find you and talk to you about the app or just about your deck or magic in general, do you are you on Twitter? Can they find you on Facebook? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, absolutely, I'm on Twitter. My handle is Lincoln3, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I'm also on Facebook, uh, Lincoln Baxter the Third, wink, wink. Um, and... Jeez, you guys are so pompous. <laughs> right. uh, I just can't wait till I have a son so I can name him the fourth. Oh, don't you dare! <laughs> Keep I, the family I, tradition alive. I get to name my son either the fourth or the second. It's even weirder. <laughs> oh wow, that's true. Um, but anyway, if you want to, you know, get in touch with me, feel free to reach out on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, Facebook's better than Twitter. And if you want to find the app, um, one thing I didn't mention, it is also. Uh, partnered with a website so everything you do in the app syncs to the site which is www.topdeck.me we are releasing new features every week you can find the apps in the app store and the play store if you're on google so uh please try it out and uh we really really want to hear your feedback we want this to be great actually useful um and if there's something wrong just let us know we'll get it taken care of and it's also free right and it, yes, it is 100% free. Yeah. Um, it will main, it will re- remain 100% free. Um, you know, there might be a couple little extra things you can buy, but basically anything that makes it easier to play, more fun to play, um, that's that's really like the core part of playing the game will be free forever. Awesome. Yeah, and you're you're on it too. I remember a little while ago there was like some update in the App Store, and it was only it wasn't getting the full database. And I messaged you, and you're like, okay. Try it in like now. You're <laughs> like, okay, yeah, it works now. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. We had just done like a little bit of a publicity push, and we broke our we broke our card search on the back end for a couple minutes there, and uh, the the feedback forms blew up. So, <laughs> yikes! Uh, all's well that all's well that ends well. Yep. I think that's another idiom, bad. I don't know if that qualifies. <laughs> sure, Jerry. I'll have, I'll have to have a gram assist on to uh, tell us if that counts as an idiom or not. Yeah. The slow and steady cart wins the race. Yeah, that's definitely an idiom because it has a cart involved. That's how you can tell it's an idiom. Jerry, where can someone find you on Facebook or Twitter? Uh, I mean, Facebook's easy. It's just Jerry me. Yep. I don't think I'm the third on Facebook. Well, how do you spell quite, that? Uh, J-E-R-R-Y-M-E-E on the Facebook group, leaving a legacy. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Pitpal, what's my Twitter handle? Uh, J-M-E-3-R-D. Get it? Yep. Get it? Third? Oh. Uh, Three RD? See what you did there. It's, yeah. It's very not clever. It's confusing because I'm Gerald with a G, but Jerry with a J. Right. That's a throw off the government. I right. think people should just call you Gerald. For, <laughs> I guess I should clarify, mine is Lincoln T-H-R-E-E spelled out. Gotcha. Ah, uh, Twitter. This is this is great. We're just confusing our fans even more. <laughs> we'll, link, we'll link it in the notes. We'll put it in the notes, too. <laughs> 
I've been typing everything he said, and it's it's a long screen handle. <laughs> <laughs> screen handle is also the new term for you know <laughs> screen handle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the internet. <laughs> what about you, Pat? Where can people find you? All right, you can find me at Pat Eagle on Twitter. You can find the Facebook page, uh, Facebook groups. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash leaving a legacy MTG. Uh, you can find me, did I say on Twitter at Pat Uglo? Twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo is a stream. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. And if you just search for leaving a legacy, you can find one of us somewhere. Yep. Just don't friend that poor retirement home. They, uh, they don't need any more magic players. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and scoops, Jerry. Um, so, Lincoln, we don't uh, shout out people on the cast. We scoop them into top eight. So is there anyone you want to scoop into top eight this week? Uh, what does that mean? Uh, like, uh, so instead of is there a... anyone you want to shout out this week? Because yeah. that's basically what it is. Instead of, instead of shout outs, we scoop, we scoop <laughs> them into top eight. It's the one holdover of Adrian. Adrian implemented It's this. his legacy, Jerry. Uh, it's his, his goddamn le- legacy. Get rid of it. This is why I don't complain about it, even though it makes no bloody sense, because it reminds us of Adrian. <laughs> Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> you can circle back to you if you want. <laughs> I, uh, I, I guess I would, I would thank everyone, uh, all my friends back in Charlotte and everyone in the Charlotte uh, area, the Columbia, South Carolina area, everyone local here who's been helping me um, really push forward and, and keep going with the app and like testing out the new features. I could not do it without all you, uh, all of your help. Um, and... Uh, my girlfriend and my 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 parents. Nice. Jesus, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just felt like we not were going bad, for football. Not that far <laughs> <laughs> Just felt we were going for the football approach. <laughs> <laughs> like to thank my parents, and Jesus, and Kanye West. All so. right, Jerry, how about you? <laughs> I just did mine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no, I I'm actually want to sh- uh, shout out uh, Scoop in the top eight. Uh, thank you, everyone. I, sorry, sorry. Everyone in gaming, etc. Uh, you know, Michelle, the owner, she put on a great 1K this week. Uh, always a great time there. They got 72 people for a 1K. That's awesome. <laughs> I got crushed. That is also awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just not my day. <laughs> never is, Jerry. It never is, my friend. Never is. Never is. But, you know, gaming, etc. Always awesome time there. Uh, you know, great turnout, great people, you know, rounds went really quick. Uh, it was just perfect. Nice. Uh, you Pat? Yeah, you sure. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to scoop in Tom Hep again this week. Uh, he streamed with me. Um, we did how some... much is he paying you? This is like his third scoop. In <laughs> Honestly, I should be paying him with the amount that he has to. <laughs> so he is, a like, I don't know if you know Tom at all, but he is a, an expert with bug depths. It's a deck that he's kind of, uh, fashioned himself. It has like the blue splash. Yep. So... Tom has been teaching me his ways, and I have been just punting games left and right. For instance, and he made me he he made me promise to tell this on cast, so I'm going to try to regale you with the tale of how I nearly punted away a game uh, against a very good aggro loan player, a well known aggro loan player who also happened to be streaming at the same time I was streaming. Um, so we're playing we're playing Bug Depths. He's on aggro loan. He has um, we've had we have uh, he has a wasteland on board. So it makes it very difficult for us to, to combo off there. And um, I draw Pithy Needle. I'm like, great, Pithy Needle. We have some hand disruption. Um, we know his hand is sorts to plowshares. Night, night, 
Grove of the Burn Willows, and an additional wasteland. Uh, he's on Bayou Forest right now. Uh, so he's had a few looks at his deck. It's like turn four at this point. Or turn three, rather. So I go and play Pithy Needle, and of course we want to name Wasteland, because we, we right now we have out like Urborg and Mox Diamond. Um, so if he wastes our Urborg, that's fine. It puts us in a pretty good, sh- pretty good spot here. We only have to worry about Swords to Plowshares, which we had double crop rotation in hand. We can just crop, crop rotate in response and grab uh, Sajiri Step and give our guy protection from white. And so I play, play Needle, and um, I'm like, all right, well, we're obviously choosing Wasteland. So, of course, like a very smart person, I type in Pithy Needle into the search bar and hit Enter. And the card hits the board, and I look at it, and I see that it is uh, the chosen tr- the chosen card is is Pithy Needle. Um, yeah, everyone laughs at me when I tell this story. <laughs> it's freaking easy to do, people. It's it's way so. And Tom just goes, he just goes, did you just did you just name Pithy Needle? And I was like, uh, yep. And Tom didn't talk for probably thirty seconds, in which I can only imagine he probably muted his mic and was just screaming and punching the walls of his house at like, how dumb can I be? Now, thankfully, we have to wait like an additional two turns to go off. Where I think we came up with another crop rotation, um, and we had I think I think I don't think we had stage. I think we actually had to go with the uh, with uh, excuse me um, the. Uh, the, the hex mage play, and uh, we're able to get there. Um, I think the Matt's uh, Matt's just scooped to us um, uh, when he when we made the, the merit lage, and he went to his turn, didn't draw a white source, and just conceded. Um, so it just goes to show you that it's yes, it's obviously always better to be lucky than good. Um, but also, <laughs> maybe you like next level him, and he's like, "Huh, I wonder what his long game is." No, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so. This this obviously proves the point to never overestimate your opponent. But I did end up watching on on his side for sure. I did end up watching his stream and um he is uh, a player, I think he's from Sweden, and he sees me play Pithy and he goes, Oh, and it names Pithy and he goes, Well that's not the card he wanted to name and he just went on. He didn't like go forever and like just rip us apart, so uh, Mats was extremely, uh, extremely nice about it, and um, and didn't send me any awful, hateful messages afterwards after scooping. So, uh, that's, uh, that's a lot. That it's really easy to do stuff like that on MTGO. I, it, I uh, it's so easy. I, I have definitely done. Let's see. Let's see some of the things I've done while playing Bug Deaths. Just real quick, I have definitely needled my own polluted deltas against my storm opponent. Um, they didn't have any polluted deltas, but assuming they had some polluted deltas to play, I needled my own polluted delta, and then which wasn't that bad. But then the following turn, instead of playing a land I could fetch, I played another polluted delta, which was completely <laughs> useless. I ended up having to uh, um, <laughs> abrupt decay my own needle in that game. That was fun. Um, I've oh, also uh, <laughs> I've also wastelanded my own wasteland multiple times. Again, I have com- done that. I complete misclick. Went away. Oh, complete <laughs> misclick. Myself like what. <laughs> I've also um, sacrificed my hex mage and removed all the counters from my hex mage, and so that was really good. Um, I've, I've thrown away so many games playing this deck, and there are things. These are like um, things that would never happen in paper. That would never happen in paper. I would never put pithy needle down and say I'm gonna needle uh, needle. I would never do that. Um, I mean, yeah, you just played off like you had a stammer, right? <laughs> Needle, needle, Jace. So the deck's been a lot of fun to play, but I will tell you, like we go to we go to close to time almost every round because 
Um, and I just gotta put this out there. The way that Tom sees this deck is so insanely next level. Um, he is un- he's able to understand these these crazy lines that I just that are just not not uh, apparent to me. So anyway, I wanted to scoop him in for him putting up with me for multiple streams now, um, just punting away games. We actually even played a few rounds of uh, of Blue Red Delver as well, and he was helpful with that. So um, just a uh, good good guy, Tom, for uh, for playing playing Magic with me and putting up with me playing uh, playing his deck. Uh, Jerry, you got a uh, you got a die to roll, my friend. I do, I do. You got the list? I got the list. All right, no skipping this time. No. Last, last week was a special occasion. It was a special occasion. That's right. Can't get that every time, otherwise you're going to get spoiled. <laughs> Give a mouse a cookie and it'll take a mile or something like that. Yep. That's not the correct idea. You are doing terrible tonight, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, it's give a moose a cookie. Yes, that's what it is. Of course, because a moose is like danger, a dangerous animal. And he'll animal. ask, he'll ask for milk. Is that how it goes? Is yes. that how the idiom goes? And if you give a mouse an inch, it'll take a month. We figured it out. We got there, people. We got there. <laughs> oh, number two. Uh, <laughs> so John Kerman wants a freestyle rap from me. Yes, it came <laughs> up, John. Today is that day. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm going to meet him halfway. I won't do a freestyle rap, but I will record. I will record something and have it at the end of the episode. How about that? We'll do because I'm not a freestyle. I don't want to like. I don't want to oversell it, but I can write some lyrics. I actually I wrote some the, uh, last week, so I can do it. We'll. Are you, uh, you going to do Fetty Wap Dredge Queen? Maybe that was a that was some grade A material. That was pretty. I thought that was pretty decent. It was it was stuck in my head all day. <laughs> I did it while I was editing the cast. It was good. <laughs> um, all right, I'm looking forward for this treat. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting a lot of extra work on my plate this week, John. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, oh, also, our listeners, check the Facebook page, check Twitter. Uh, we are going to spoil the new playmat simultaneously with the dropping of this episode. Yes, that's correct. So 10 a.m. Eastern on the Facebook page, you'll be able to see the uh, the playmat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll see if we can get it in uh, the Hipsters of the Coast post, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll put, it in, I'll put in the show notes. Awesome possum. All right, great. Well, Lincoln, thanks again, man, for coming on. It was awesome to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. I uh, hope to see you guys soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully see you at uh, Eternal Weekend. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, man. All right, Pat. Play us out with some sweet, sweet Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, when I roll up, decks in the bag, holding stacks like I'm over. Ain't no faking, I'm one taking. Opponents think they'll win, I grin, they're mistaken. Ain't nothing funny, I got you, buddy. Thunderous wrath off the top, I ain't no dummy. I play the tight deck lists to keep my interest. I drop needle after needle, call me Pinterest. Now this will set me free, I was hoping Kermit's happy. It's me. And Jamie, three, week after week, bring the heat. Sit down and take a seat. Tear tales from Etsy to TE. We leave a legacy. 